And so this is where we are, and let's take a look at it. Let's stand for the reading of Daniel chapter 6. We'll pick up at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, and they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing is true, yes, of course it is, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. And I just love the fact that it's me that they're focusing on. And so they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, and for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. You can just see the countenance of the king's face drop. He's like, I forgot about Daniel. And the king, when he heard these words, verse 14, was greatly displeased with himself. What have I done? And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He, He tried to figure out any way he could bypass this decree that was set in stone. How do I get around it? And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him because, listen, you know, if you can get a stay of execution from the governor, maybe, and they're trying to figure out any way to do it, but when the sun goes down, the, the, uh, it has to be executed. The law has to happen. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, and no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. And so the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he, he, will, he will deliver you. It was a positive confession. <laughs> he'll, 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 he'll deliver you. <laughs> and then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. And the signets of his Lord. That the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. Pagan king fasting. Fascinating. No music was brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. He stayed awake the whole night fasting. Uh, Daniel got more sleep than the king did. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions because the, the law had been fulfilled. As soon as the sun was appearing, he started running to the lion. If, if he's bleeding, maybe we can save him. I, I want to get that guy. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. He was weeping. That's the idea in the Aramaic. And the king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you? From the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. Look how polite he is. He's not like, I'm still here, you loser. (laughs) My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the pit. These things were hungry and they had to look at food all night without eating. (laughs) And then the passage goes on to say, then King Darius wrote this and similar to what Nebuchadnezzar had done to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Pretty awesome, yes? 
Lord, we ask your blessing on the study of your word, and we ask that you guide and direct us through it. I'm moved by the comment that Daria said, Daniel, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you? And so, Lord, that question is posed to all of us this morning, and I pray that it would be answered. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Sounds like a tuberculosis warden here. We're all coming out of it, I guess. Amen. Now, these men set up Daniel, and they set him up because they couldn't, they couldn't overcome his, his strength. His strength was affiliated with his love for the Lord. He was connected, and so they tried to legislate him away from his God like uh, many have tried to do with our children, to legislate our children that their education cannot be founded in the things of God. We, can, we legislate the separation of God from the education of our children. We legislate the separation of God from whatever it is from our government. We legislate the separation of God from every vestige so that the power of the Christian is now removed and there is no realm for it. And, and, and as we see, you, you can't build enough prisons and, and you can't make enough laws it just seems that the prison industry increases and the laws increase, but, but nobody gets better. The only way that, that society improves is that when we're accountable to God, when we have this relationship with the living God as Daniel did. And the thing about Daniel is when he walks into a room, he changes the situation for everybody. He's one of those employees that just ruins the curve and nobody gets away with stealing and nobody takes pencils home and, and no, nobody can steal stamps and nobody can cheat because Daniel is the kind of guy that won't let it happen. And not only would I not do it to my boss, I, but more importantly, I'm not going to do it to God. It's like Joseph with Potiphar. He's going to take care of those things that were entrusted to him. He's going to do it to the best of his ability, and he's going to set the example. And he's going to be a public servant. And he survived the, the Chaldean Babylonian dynasty, and now he's surviving the Medo-Persian empire. And cream rises. And nowhere along the line is he whining. Nowhere along the line is he complaining. He just continues to do what he's done for 75 years. He just keeps seeking the Lord and pressing into God. And his relationship with God creates him to be such a man that, that the world marvels. And they're moved by him. And what's so fascinating about this passage is that the men that, that, that have to change their life because of Daniel, he's risen in a position of authority because you know, it's, it's the same thing that's happening in China right now. Christians are rising because they're starting to realize these Christian em employers, these Christian business owners, they don't take bribes. They don't, they, and, and now we can trust them. And so they start to get more business. Used to be that they'd be imprisoned or used to be that they were beaten or they were ridiculed, but now they're getting more business because they know that these Christians cannot be bribed. They, they can't be cheated. They can't be bought. And that's Daniel. There's not a church around. There's not a Christian radio station. There's, there's, there's nothing. It's just this man doing his job daily and he's seeking God and he's living a life in, in a pagan community. And we find ourselves going, you know, California and the United States going to hell in a handbag and we're just whining. It's nothing like Babylon, nothing like the Medo-Persian Empire. It doesn't even, this is, they're killing people. And Daniel is, he's in government. Not only is he in government, he's doing well and he's, he's setting a standard of honesty. And every day he's going to work. And the, the one thing that we're good at that, that, is complaining. And I just have to tell you, complaining accomplishes nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. Complain all you want. All you do is just make it miserable and just, yeah, complaining doesn't accomplish anything. 
Go to work and do something. Set an example. Transform the, the, the culture. Trans, just step into it as Daniel did. And every day for 75 years, he does this. And these men are so frustrated by it that they set him up. And they legislate this setting up of Daniel. And all of a sudden, Darius realizes what he's done when they say, have you, you know, Daniel's one of the captives from Judah and, and he, he doesn't show due respect for you, O king. The decree you signed, he's made petitions three times a day. He's still praying. And the king, when he heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself. He lamented, he was burdened by it. What was I thinking? How could I have done this? What a stupid law. I just wiped out a, a good man because I was appealing to my ego. I love Daniel. Daniel's amazing. And you know what's fascinating about Daniel? Darius hasn't known him that long. But his reputation preceded him. He's 88, 90 years old. And when, when Cyrus showed up and they unrolled the Isaiah scrolls and he read it and everybody's moved and, and his reputation precedes him and, and Darius is trusting him and Darius doesn't even want to make him one of the mayors. He wants to make him one of the governors, one of the presidents, not just one of the three. He wants to make him the head over everything. This guy's amazing. And he, he has a respect for him. And he knows all about him. And I mean, he's legend. His worship of God is legend. And somehow they, they were able, and it's amazing. People don't like certain things about Christianity, but the minute they remove certain, when you remove a wall, you better ask why it's there before you remove it. And all of a sudden our cultures, what happened to it? You know, we're, we, you don't do any institutional zoning anymore, so you don't zone for churches. And, and, and so you do build-outs, and there's no places for churches. Somehow our planning commission doesn't think churches are important. He watches a culture implodes. These are all things that, that, that you see with Daniel's presence. And as I'm watching this in Daniel's life, and I'm moved by it, all of a sudden Darius, he realizes what he's done, and he's greatly displeased with himself, and he sets his heart to try to deliver Daniel through the legislative process or whatever he has, whatever powers he has. And he's trying to work this out. I love what some commentators, you, you know, would point out. They, I remember I had a professor at Fresno State, and, uh, and, and he, he had shared two things that were just ridiculous. And he was an agnostic or an atheist at best, and he was teaching religious studies. At, and I, I was a new Christian. I took him. I thought, this is going to be great. It's such a waste of time. I remember one time he said that, you know, the... Uh, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea, and it was um, a swampy area. And when the wind would blow in a specific area, it would appear as though the water separated and they walked through on dry land. And, and I remember one student raising his hand saying, you got a bigger problem on your hands. The professor said, what's that? He says, how did they all die in three inches of water? You know. <laughs> and then I, and I, remember, I remember this, that, that his comment was, uh, the reason why Daniel wasn't eaten by the lions is because in verse 14, is, is, he didn't even quote the verses. He would just do you know, statements. He said that uh, Darius, uh, because his heart was uh, on Daniel to deliver him, he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. And so the professor said that they just fed the lions so much that the lions couldn't eat anymore. They just stuffed them to death. <laughs> I don't think I could eat another thing. I don't want anything else. I'm the king. A small mint. No, I don't want anything. Nothing at all. And they just fed these lions until they couldn't even move. Oh, if that's the case, we're going to see in verse 24, it's not. Because the minute that they threw in all the wives and the children and the men themselves, before they even hit the ground, their bones were broken. In, prep in preparing for the message, I watched a couple of videos. 
kind of gruesome. One was done in 1960-something. Like, it was a, a, you know, no, you know what you call that. Yeah, it's a, and uh, this guy gets out, and he's using one of these, and he gets out of his car. And the other person's filming him from the car, and he gets out, and, and he's crouching down, filming lions, and it was brutal, and this lion comes from behind, and boom, gets in, and it's just seconds. The guy's just, don't go there if you're young or old. It was, it was awful, and you just watch this lion. It was moments, boom, guy's gone, and the family's terrified. The camera's going all over the place, and it's, it was awful. And then, then I listen to the sounds of lions roaring and this paralyzing sound. And, they, and, and the way that it worked, if you study these, these Medo-Persian historical documents, the way it worked is they, they would keep them on the verge of starving. So these animals were continually just vicious. And, and so he's trying to figure out some way to deliver him, but the way he was delivering him, he's trying to get him out of it. Is there any way that I can oversee the decree? Is there any way, is it, can I get him out of town? What if he escapes? What if, what if we put someone else in this place? Is there any, and he's just trying to figure out something. He wasn't feeding him. And then verse 15, then these men approached the king and said to the king, no, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So you know that he was trying to go through legislative procedures and they just finally said, you look, you're out of time. You can't stay the execution anymore. We got to kill him. It's like the Johnny Cash song, you know, I, I got 25 minutes to go. And he's waiting to die on the gallows. And now the time's up. And so the king gave the command, verse 16, brought Daniel, cast him into the den of the lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. It's like he has faith, but he really doesn't because we're going to see later, later, did he deliver you? Was he able? <laughs> he's just trying to tell Daniel, hey, it's all good, bro. And it's fascinating how people can come to you in the midst when you're in the den of lions and they're like, God's going to deliver you. Yeah, why don't you come on in with me and see if that works? Why don't you come and sing with me some songs about Daniel and the lions and just sit down here with me? And people are, you know, God, God's going to deliver. And, and they mean well, yes? They mean well. But sometimes it's just a little trite. I just have to confess. Especially when they're just kind of throwing it out there and you just kind of don't feel anything from them. Your God whom you serve continually, he'll deliver you. That's easy for you to say. Uh, I'm the one getting ready to be fed and you're doing the feeding. And then the stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den. The king sealed it. And then all the other guys with the other two, boom, boom, the governors hit it. That's it. That doesn't come off until the sun comes up. Good luck, Daniel. The king went back to his palace. He spent the night fasting. I, I, I can't eat a thing. Man, I hope Daniel's okay. What have I done? How could I do this? I, even if I wanted to eat, I couldn't. And they bring in music. I, I'm not even interested in that. Don't bring me any music. I can't sleep. It just Every time I try to close my eyes, I'm just thinking of Daniel. Oh, that poor man. I, I, took, I threw an 88-year-old man into a lion's den. All he ever did was serve me. All he ever did was care. I'm, I allowed this. And he's just burdened by it. And, and he's just laying awake and he's just looking on the horizon. And they probably had some rule that when the, this lights that, then that's the morning. And he sees it and he just starts running for the, for the lion's den. 
He rose early in the morning, went in haste to the den lions. And when he came to the den, verse 20, it says, he cried out with a lamenting voice. And in the Aramaic, he's weeping. He's crying, Daniel, 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 you there? Daniel, Daniel, I'm so sorry, Daniel, I'm so sorry. He just says, Daniel, serve the living God. Daniel, has, has your God whom you serve continually? Isn't that interesting? That's his assessment of Daniel's life. Daniel, when I think of you, all I can think of, and I laid awake all night, you, every time I look at you, you're serving the Lord. Every time I look at you, 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 you re- represent him, like we looked at last week. If, if you were the example of the church and missionary giving, and please understand, and I already got hit with this, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to carry the church. I'm not replacing Jesus with you. The apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. My point is, are you moved? Daniel was moved. Not obligation, adoration. And and so that people would see your life as Darius sees Daniel's. I'm not not taking away the centricity of Christ in, in, in the church or in our life. My point is this, this, is the byproduct of somebody whose heart has been moved. That people would look at you and say, Daniel, you serve continually. Every, I was thinking about you last night. When I think about somebody who's loving, when I think about somebody who's faithful, when I think, about somebody, I think of you. I think of somebody who's just profound. And, I think of you. And he says, has he been able to deliver you? I don't want to stop there for a minute. Because Darius said, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Has he been able to deliver you from the, the lions? And then in Daniel's response, he's just, he was polite. It's amazing when we're going through a trial, how, how upset we are. Daniel has got, you know what? This has been the worst week of my life. I just, I just need to vent a little bit. Okay. I got to get some things off my chest. And you're, you upset me. No, no, the coolest thing is, is Daniel comes out of this and the first thing he is, he's polite. He's not embittered. You put your signet ring on the, on the, on the, on the stone. What were you thinking? What kind of a king are you? I'm 88 years old. You threw me into, I could have broke my hip. He didn't even throw my walker in. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't. He says, oh, king, live forever. My, my great uncle was a gentleman's gentleman. He was a bachelor his whole life. And he served in World War I and World War II. And when my father was in command of a ship in the North Atlantic, my, my great uncle uh, had a chance to be on board ship with him. And he got clearance because he was still a reserve officer. And he gets on board the ship, and my dad had such a respect for Uncle Roy. I'm named after him, Robert Roy. He had such a respect for Uncle Roy, and uh, nervous that he was on board, and just a gentleman's gentleman. I mean, he never cussed, he did never, nothing. Everything he did, and the way he dressed, and he was, he was a traveler's insurance executive, and he was just a fascinating man. And uh, so he's on board the, the ship, and they're in the, uh, the bridge, and it's heavy seas in the North Atlantic. I mean, it's awful. 
And Uncle Roy hasn't been on, on board a ship in a long time. And so he's obviously not got his sea legs and he's looking pale and he's, he's going to get sick. And uh, my dad's just, uh, what do I do when Uncle Roy throws up? I mean, I, you know, it's just, how do you, uh, you know, a gentlemanly way to approach <laughs> something like that. And sure enough, Uncle Roy goes in there and you just hear in the bathroom, they, in the Navy, they call it the head and he's in there and you just hear you know, and my dad doesn't know what to say when he comes out and he comes out and he's just proper and he says, you know, <clears throat> I don't remember having eaten that. <laughs> in that moment of trial it's what you say and and for for daniel it was oh king live forever it was just something sweet and he says my god send his angels and shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me because i was found innocent before him and also king i've done no wrong before you the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded they should take daniel out of the den they lifted him up No injury whatever was found on him because he had believed in his God, because he had believed in his God. And I look at this and I think what we close with this this morning is simply this, that Darius's comment to Daniel and his statement to Daniel was, Daniel, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you? And then it goes on that he said, you know, yes, he did. They didn't touch me. And the reason why is because I was found innocent before God and I've done no wrong before you. And then he says, the scripture says no injury was found on him because he believed in his God. And I think about that. I think, I know God is able to deliver me. But quite frankly, I don't think he wants to. And the reason why I say that is because when Daniel says I was found innocent before him, I don't know about you, but whenever I end up in a lion's den, I deserve to be there. I guess I'm the only one. (laughs) And for me to be able to declare I, I, I was found innocent before God, I've done no wrong. I'm usually in a lion's den because I put myself there. Is your God able to deliver you? Is your God able to deliver you? The more I think about that, I know my God can deliver me. But I get in these situations where I just can't seem to see the Lord in the midst of it. And I struggle. But I take heart because you think about Abraham and Sarah. You know, God promised them a child and they were in their 90s, almost 100. And it was fulfilled, but it was decades after the fulfillment. And, and, and Abraham failed. He failed continually. But Romans 4 says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. Abraham still doubted God. He still struggled, but ultimately he trusted God. And you're going to go through lapses of faith. And Satan wants you to think that God didn't want anything to do with you. But he does. You know, you think about the man with a demon-possessed son. Do you believe? You know, Jesus asked the man, do you believe? He says, Lord, help thou my unbelief. I, I struggle with faith at times. Nobody, nobody does really well in a lion's den. 
You know, when I was hearing John Mink share about the week and Brett share about the week, I'm, I'm with him because we all went through it together. It was awful and there's more to come. And I struggle not with God being able, but if he's willing. I think in a lot of times, you know, God, why would you even want to invest in me? I look at Romans 8, 31 and 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God's a good father. You know, and, and this is where I take comfort in the passage. Daniel was innocent before God. And he's a good guy. And I, I don't think there's a lot of people in the room that pray three times a day. And, you know, and if the example was, if you were the example to the church of missions giving, or if you were the example to the church of giving, or if you were the example to the church of praying, or if you were the, go, going to church, you know, I, I, we're all, we don't fit the Daniel mark. And, and Daniel was innocent before God, but I, I like this idea that you and I were innocent because of Christ. There's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can be like Daniel and set that example not out of obligation, but out of adoration. He's for you. And, and he is able to deliver you. And there's blessings that come from walking uprightly. You get a clear conscience and a confidence in life. There's stability in your walk. Romans 16, verse 25, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. He's, he's able to establish you. He's able to give you strength, 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Do you need a miracle this morning? Something so huge you can't see a way out? Here you go, Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, to, be, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever, amen. Are you worried about something? Something you've invested your time and your heart in? You feel like it's falling apart? 2 Timothy 1. I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Struggling with temptation this morning? He's able to help you. Hebrews 2, 18. For for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. Is there someone in your life that you, you want to see saved? You feel like quitting, praying for them because it seems like it takes forever? Hebrews 7, therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You're afraid you won't make it in the Christian life. And this is a great one in Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his presence and his glory with exceeding joy. God didn't deliver Daniel from the lion's den he delivered him through the lion's den. And, and I, I was thinking the lions didn't touch him because he was covered by the lion of Judah. There's only one lion that you need to be concerned with, and that's Jesus. I think of this idea, is your God able to deliver you, Daniel? Is your God able to deliver you? I, I close with a story, a lot of you heard it, but my life. I, I was with a, a friend this week, told me an interesting story. He'd been previously married and when he was young and divorced, they had a child and they're Mexican national and she, she took the son to Mexico. 
I think by the time the son was about 16, he'd been told by his mother that his father was dead. And then finally, well, no, your father's alive. And then he's incorrigible. So the mother just sends him to the States to come and live with him. So he's hadn't seen him in 16 years. He's gone from all these different angles. And now he's living here in town. He's going to Wesley, gets kicked out, struggles with drug addiction. The father just keeps loving on him, pursuing him, goes from one rehab clinic to the next rehab clinic, trying to help him, heroin. And he says, you know, I want to tell you, I found one. He was telling me this. I found one that has an amazing success rate. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. And he told me the name of it. I go, what's their deal? And he says, it's fascinating. It only works for guys, not so much for girls. They have a high success rate for girls, but not like they do for guys. He goes, and the principle is this. It's, it's, it's not a lockdown facility. You can leave anytime you want. The, the, the folks that are there uh, have to make their own meals and clean up after themselves. And if you strike another person, you're immediately kicked out. He said, do you think with guys in a room that would happen a lot? He says, maybe once every two years, something like that happens. But the condition is that the parents have to agree that they will not take the, the, the son back if they drop out. They can't come home. And the reason why they're so successful is because the guys take ownership of their life. They go, you know what? I, my parents' God is able to deliver me, but not my God. Heroin kills me. My parents can deliver me because they're serving another God, but my God will kill me. And after a while, they look at and they go, you know what? I, I need to take ownership of my life. But they can keep boomeranging back to the parents' house so that they never survive. Now, the reason why it doesn't succeed with girls is because for parents to have their daughter out on the streets is a little harder than to put your son out there. And they do, they go out. And the minute they realize they're screwed up, they come right back and they go, man, I gotta, I gotta make this thing work. But if they have a boomerang place and the parents' God is able to save right? But their God isn't. Let them see how, how weak and feeble your God is. He can't save you. Heroin will not save you. And, and as I was thinking about that, I thought about my dad. And uh, my dad used to harass me all the time about my Christian walk. And, and, uh, and when, when my mom was dying and my, my dad was with Alzheimer's, my mom said to me, she said, you know why your dad was so rough on you? I said, no, why? And she said, because he had to see if your God was real and able to deliver you, if he was going to believe in him. When I walked out of the house, and I had made a mistake like Abraham did, and every one of you and every one in the scriptures, with the exception of Daniel, Daniel was exemplary, I had gotten a girl pregnant. And when I went to tell my parents that she was pregnant, they, they said, have an abortion. I said, I can't do that. And they said, then you have to leave, and they, they're kick me out of the house. I said, well, then I got to go, and I left. And, and my mother had to come to terms with abortion and my dad had to come to terms with abortion. They, they had to deal with that because their God wasn't able to deliver them from the guilt. They laid awake at night with all those thoughts. My mom came to Christ through that. And so did my dad. My God delivered me. I still screwed up, but, but God is for us, not against us. Even though I put myself in the lion's den, he still got me out. And the, and the point is this, God's for you. And it's time to let the world realize because you're embracing the understanding that your God is able to deliver you. You heard the passages. Own them. Our God is mighty. And he's able to deliver us. Appropriate it and declare it. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I think of this idea that our God is able. He will deliver us. 
When we trust him, we're at rest. We're joyful. We're at peace. We're hopeful. If our God's not able to deliver us, we start to worry. We scheme. We plot. We strategize. We're afraid. We complain. We're not at rest at all. But when our God is able to deliver us, we rest in him. We're joyful and at peace and hopeful and polite. And so, Lord, I I pray that we would appropriate it and declare it. That the Dariuses of the world would be moved and delivered and set free. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you have cleansed us of all unrighteousness and that we're new creatures in Christ and that you're for us, not against us. And we love you, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.